Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Um, it's You've got me, Deborah Hatswell, once again. And as many of you asked that me and Paul Sinclair could get together again. And we've managed to do that for you. And we've just been talking a little bit offline before we came on. Because obviously me and Paul have a very similar interest. And it seems that like many of you out there... There are areas that are cropping up in the country that seem to be a hotspot for all kinds of activity. And I'll explain a little bit more. When I made the Bigfoot map um, many, many years ago, I was criticised because I added accounts on that were not of an upright, tall, hairy gentleman, we shall say. And I did that for a simple reason, because... People were reporting to me about those areas. So, for instance, there is uh, Thetford. And I put a report out in Thetford of an upright, hairy male. And a lady got in touch with me and said, I don't know anything about that, but in Thetford Forest, I had a really strange experience with these lights that seemed to lead me off into the wood. Somebody else got in touch with me and said that while they were down there in Norfolk Wood, they heard their name being repeated as if, to be called into the wood. And it's always interested me because it's also an area of high UFO sightings. So, as I say, Paul's with me now. And what we're thinking of doing is, and we need your help with this, basically, if you've had um, not a Bigfoot account, you can have a Bigfoot, I mean, anything across the board that has seemed incredibly strange or weird if you've lost time, if you've been in an area that you're well used to and you've heard something really unusual, uh, you're in an area you're used to and you suddenly get lost for no reason whatsoever. That's happened to me on occasion. And it was almost a strange out-of-body experience. We are wondering if there are certain areas within the country or within the world where the energy, shall we say, um, and this is all up for theory, isn't it, that area seems to have a lot of action. Like Bempton, for instance. Me and Paul, you've heard us speak before about the area of Bempton. And there are other areas like that on the map. And Paul, like me, takes accounts from people. So we hear from people all the time up and down the country be strange happenings. So we're thinking of getting together and, and seeing what we can come up with. We might be able to correlate a few things. Um, you're much better with words than I am, I'm Paul. Um, can well, you, you explain it a little bit better than me? <laughs> no, I, I think you've, you've covered it there, Deborah. You know what I mean? But the, I think it was a big mistake to in, in, previously. I mean, obviously, you've done your Bigfoot map, mm. which is a fabulous thing, but it was a mistake to worry about other people's opinions yeah. when you were putting other type sightings and other types of experiences on this map. Yeah. Because the, the, the Bigfoot stroke dogman phenomena, they do seem to... I know they show up all over the place, but the... There, there are concentrated locations where these things are seen, uh, which crop up time and time again. Uh, like Flixton, for instance, near me, uh, and 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 Dane's Dyke, and you've got you've got hundreds of uh, locations because you've researched well out of the areas mm. that I'm at researching. But what also we're missing a trick if we're not going to sort of start to correlate the other unexplained phenomena that's occurring in the same areas yeah. because it would it would be interesting to see whether the lights are being seen when we're getting reports of the bigfoot yeah. um, or, or the dogman i mean i don't know i don't know whether they will be but i, I my gut feeling is that they are mm. it, let's let's find out whether we these things are all being seen near burial mounds and yeah. 
ancient earthworks, which I think we already know they are. Yeah. So just to report that these these creatures or these the reports of these creatures are in these locations is brilliant, but we mm. can add to it by finding out what else has, has been seen around this area. Yeah. You took on the electronic voice phenomenon mm. or the people being called into the woods. I mean, I, just, I thought as you were saying it, people having their names called into the woods, that yeah. almost takes on... How, how would something know to call a specific name? Exactly. There's, a, there's an extended intelligence. It's over science, this. It's, mm. it's an extended intelligence, that Deborah, that we're not understanding here. If something... Yeah can pluck a name out and it's the right name and, and yeah, draw exactly. something into an area, then we've got something potentially, is it, is it reading minds is, or is it just some universal knowledge that, that yeah. just knows? Uh, you know, it's, it's a fabulous it's a fabulous idea to put all these things on a map. I mean, I, yeah. I'd imagine the map would get full pretty quick. <laughs> it, it would. It would get full pretty quick, but it's as you said to me earlier when we were off air, if we can see that in that just that one area, say within a 20-mile range, that we've got sightings of figures, we've got audio, we've got maybe EVPs, anything that's out of the ordinary. To me, I want all that in the pot when I'm trying to work out what's going on. There's no yeah. point me just having one little bit of the puzzle. I want to know exactly what's happening in that area and what's being reported over decades Really, think, yeah, you know. As, as we said before, Deborah, you know, is the is does the area draw the phenomena in, or does the area throw the phenomena out, out? Yeah. And 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 are we dealing with something that's as crazy as it sounds? That some kind of chameleon and can be any can be a, a multitude of things. I don't particularly think we are. And you hit on a good point earlier. What we're all we're doing is speculating and theorizing. Yeah. But that's all we can do. And if we can kick these ideas about. Uh, you know, other people listening just might think, Christ, I've just thought of another angle to what Deborah and Paul's just said, yeah. which will enhance the theory yeah. or the speculation. And, and if we could get listeners potentially to start contributing mm. with however however un, unexpected you ex, the experience is or, or unconventional, as in it's not just something as straightforward as lights, or a Bigfoot sighting. So it could be something quirky, but if it's unusual, it might be unique to that area. And, and you know, there might be a spate of lights, and let's call it 1976 that yeah. the lights were seen. But a year later, Bigfoot sightings were seen. I know not everybody can remember specific dates and years, uh, because it's not something everybody's going to just sort of think, oh, I'll make a note of that in my diary. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, weather conditions... Anything, because if we're going to get a hold of this subject, I think the people that are listening, there will be some sat listening thinking, what a load of rubbish, and I just want to now contribute and tell them what fools they are for <laughs> talking about this subject. But the bulk of the people that listen, they'll be listening because they've had an experience or they're open-minded enough to know that there's something very yeah. real to this subject, be it UFO-related, Bigfoot-related, whatever paranormal angle that you want to take. Mm -hmm. It's probably all interconnected, Deborah. And, and historians, if there are any historians out there, whether you think what we're discussing is complete bunkum, that's absolutely fine with me, but still, to be on the safe side, will you have a look back in you in what you know, where the archives that you can access, are there any reports of paranormal activity, um, lights, uh, crafts being reported, as far back as you can go? And if there isn't, that's fine, but you just might find a piece of that puzzle for me. And I say to a lot of sceptics when they come to me, that's great, and be as sceptical as you like, but you can still be of use to me. You still have sources at your fingertips that I cannot get to. So whether you're on board with the idea or not, you've still got the, the technical research, you can go and do it. Do you know, if you're a historian or you work in the local library, if you run the WRBS... Have you spoke to anybody that's come in and said to you, you know, we had a really experiences on strange experience that weekend when we were out. Those little stories that are told within families are really important to people like Paul and me because they tend to dovetail. We will then, you know, we'll put it out maybe in a video or we'll be chatting about it and someone will say, well, hang on a minute, I remember something like that. Or, you know, not exactly that, but when I was in that area... That seems to happen to me all the time, and it happens to you all the time, doesn't it, Paul? 
It, it really does. I've got a fabulous story which I've been writing about this week <laughs> of a lady from Bridlington, uh, and they call this lady Anne. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it originates from a place called West Hilling, Bridlington, and it goes back. I don't know. It goes back to when this this lady was sixteen, and I think she's about seventy now. Uh, so she claims that she was with her first boyfriend, mm-hmm. maybe a bit older than sixteen, because she said he was in the RAF and he was working on the RAF marine launchers in Bridlington. Yeah. And they were walking in this area of West Hill, uh, cutting across to a place called Carnaby. I realise that the listeners won't know these places, but it's mm-hmm. all built up now. There's a Morrison supermarket. There's houses, few industrial estates. But back then it was just fields and this was a cut-through path. And this is just one quirky story that sat there for the best part yeah. of 50 years. And I got it last week. Fabulous. Absolutely brilliant. And spoke to a lady, you know. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, it's not something that a friend of a friend's told me. She says, well, it's a lovely hot summer's evening. She says, and we're walking through this path, along this path towards Bessingby. She said, and suddenly we both acknowledged, we both realised which stepped into something else. She said it became like a fridge. The air was yeah. just absolutely clap cold. She said, and we both knew it. She said, and I became very, very frightened. She says, all birds stopped singing. We couldn't hear a thing. We were in this sort of this Goldilocks zone. We are in this yeah. strange, strange area, and, and something had overtaken us. And another interesting thing was when... The, the, the guy, she's still in contact with this man all these years later, and she, she messaged him, phoned him up to tell him that uh, I'd inquired if I could have this story to write about in the new book. Yeah. And he remembered it, and he says, yeah, he says, do you remember the owl? And she said, owl? And then he went on to explain, he says, there was a huge white owl flying silently in circles around us. Uh-huh. And she says, I'd forgotten about the owl until he said it that then. Yeah. And there's, obviously there's something much deeper to this this lady's story and, and this chap. And the, the memories are probably too far gone and they're too deep now to ever revive anything else. But something happened. But this is in an area between Bessimby and Carnaby where the archives, like what you've just been talking about, yeah. Deborah, reveal lots and lots of strange phenomena. But it's, it's not as dramatic, it's not as exciting yeah. as some of the things that happen, say... In Bempton's, you know, more visual when we're getting these animal mutilations and things. But nevertheless, these areas that you're appealing for people to come and forward and tell you about the the happenings, I think are just as important because we'll pick up valuable clues. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's those little tiny details I want to know about because back before the paranormal was interesting and everybody had an EMF meter, lots and lots of stories didn't get told. So they just got lost to time and we don't know them and we'll never, ever know them now. But they would have been a little small piece within that report. They say they were out and they were... They might have only reported howls and screams or they might have only reported lights. But as you said, with the lady remembering something, it's when sometimes I find when I speak to a witness and I've got the complete story and I put it out, a prime example, this... I think I've spoken about before, ladies in a car driving back from Nottingham, heading back to Manchester, four in one car, four in the other. They all see a running figure. Each one described it differently because one saw a complete front, the other saw the other, some saw the side and some saw the back. And if I hadn't have spoken to every single one of them, I wouldn't have realised I got to the last one and she's the lady who's seen it face on said, and it had breasts. So if I had take, taken the time to track yeah. and speak to every single one, that vital piece of information that this running figure was actually female would have been completely lost. And that is probably one of the only sightings of a female-type creature in the UK up to now. So to me, that little detail is incredibly important. And yeah. again, in an area of UFO sightings, uh, paranormal activity, dogman sightings, strange creatures crossing the road, so much going on on the M6, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so what is the link then? Is it just is it just that the area is just plain strange mm. and attracts this phenomena, or or disperses the phenomena? There's there's got to be something. I mm. mean. <laughs> 
I know we sound like we were prattling on and saying there's got to be something, but at least banging your heads together and trying to come up with answers. Yes, yes. Yeah. The suggestion of this map, a multi, a multi-sighting, multi-experience mm. map, yeah. is a great idea. And if we could, if we can get contributors and and ourselves as well to try and put years to it. Yeah. If, we, if we say years, I mean, in some cases you might be able to put a year and a month. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and weather conditions. You know, we, we might actually see some patterns forming. It can. We know, Deborah, that your your primarily your subject is is the the Bigfoot. Mm. Uh, I'd like to cover lots of different things, and I don't mind sort of being open to have, having a look at them all. However, yeah, look, yeah, I am. I'm I'm open. I don't mind. <laughs> oh well, that, that's that's brilliant because I think we. You know, it's the only way we're going to find any answers. I just I don't know whether we will find answers, but we've just got to keep trying, haven't we? Yeah, we have. It's, it's, but things you sometimes I think can be in lead. Sometimes it be like a chess piece on a board, because something will happen. Like we we got an account that was quite near to Todmorden, and I thought oh, that's really interesting. That I'll have a look, see what I've got in the Todmorden Edden Bridge area kind of thing. That led me to Sigmund the Damsker, which if anybody knows out there was the guy that they found on top of a coal pile. You'll know it, won't you, Paul? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. As if he'd been dropped from above, and he had a strange substance on him, and they then didn't he? and they were burnt as well. Yeah, it? yeah, and they've never been able to. All the scientific tests in the world can't come up with what this substance is. But then that led me to the the. It was a policeman called Alan. Can't remember his name. Godfrey, last, Alan Godfrey, and the abduction. Yeah. And then I thought this thing just keeps spiralling out. So I originally went there over to a witness who'd seen some a dark figure running down the road, and I realised that in this, what I looked to me like a flight path of sightings, as if something was moving backwards and forwards within that area. Because the sight, the amount of, um, I don't know if it's because of winter ill, I'm not really sure, but the amount of accounts that come in from there of UFO, UFO experiences, paranormal experiences. It's just there's just a, a wealth of them, and I don't think there's anybody that's putting them all together. Well, perhaps then that's why we need to start. Yeah. You know, just briefly, when we were on about Bessing being Carnaby just then, mm -hmm. you were just talking about... I was told a story by a guy called Mark Sturdy. Mark's in hospital at the moment, bless him. I hope he's, I hope he's sort of recovering. Uh, Mark told me a story... They used to work at Sarah Lee's, which is the cake factory. Probably people remember seeing these cakes for sale in... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In a freezer shop. Yeah. Well, that were in Bridlington, or they had one in Bridlington. And he wanted to know why his work colleague chose to drive, cycle three miles <clears throat> along a route into work every day rather than just going from West Hill. Yeah. And he told him that he went to work early one morning and a dark figure suddenly appeared in the road mm. and chased him. Jeez. And he was terrified. And he's not talking about some guy yeah. acting about in a, in a cloak and they're all having a snigger. This is like yeah, he's exactly. on early morning shift. And it frightened him enough then to spend the rest of his working career doing a three-mile detour to avoid this road. But where are we? We're on the road, very close to where they had this sort of experience of eye strangeness. Anne and, and her yeah. former boyfriend. And Phil Morris, the, the guy I told you about, who first told me, put me in contact with Anne, 1970s, he saw a green glowing oblong. Mm -hmm. He says, I thought I was seeing things. He said, it was coming home from a Golden Gloves nightclub. That's where they were coming from, because I remember him telling me, he said, and walking across, he said, and uh, just walking across this path, 
and this thing uh, he said uh, at about the height that the upstairs windows would be on a house and it was yeah. glowing green and it was oblong and it just went straight over his head and across the fields i found it in an archive in papers and i was working with philip morris at the time and philip said to me well i never said anything he says but i saw that and then he told me his story you know so these areas they're throwing up all manner of unexplained phenomena. I wouldn't say constantly. No. But another thing as well is, you know, you don't know a lot of them. These places are that remote. I mean, it's not now so much West Hill and that, but such as Bempton. Yes. How, how much unexplained phenomena actually occurs where people, they're never there. Nobody actually knows it's happening. Yeah. Because I, I have wondered, Deborah, you know, if, if maybe... Let's assume I go to Bempton five days a week, yeah. on an e evenings a week, and I see nothing. But then somebody else goes up just for a walk, takes his dog onto the beach and onto clifftops and sees something. The phenomena might be presenting, but it might not really take us into consideration. Paul Sinclair's nothing special. Yeah, yeah, I get you, yeah. If he's up there when it happens, then the phenomena will present. If it's the type of thing that interacts with people, then it would interact. If it isn't, it's just going to yeah. get a glimpse of something otherworldly. But I could go, I could go up 360 days a year and see nothing. Mm -hmm. And Joe Bloggs could take his spaniel for a walk on cliff tops and see it. I think, I think, it, I don't think it takes us into consideration sometimes no. when it's appearing or when it's acting out. Maybe we're just, maybe everything, every living thing, every blade of grass, every worm under soil. Maybe they're all just slightly touched by it when it when it yeah. arrives, but us as we're a little bit more conscious as in, as, as in that we think things through on a yeah. different level to what an animal will think when it's looking for food, yeah. uh, we're, we're more aware of it. Human mm. beings reason, they reason everything away. They've been yeah. taught to reason everything away, so anything that they see, there's got to be a reasonable explanation for it, because that's, your com that's where you're comfy, isn't it, when you can... Oh, well, that's what happened, and that, and that, but it doesn't work like that for a witness. It doesn't, and what's, I'll tell you what is frustrating. When, when the so-called experts, because I don't know, really know any, but when the so-called experts decide that they know what a witness has seen, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, ex they explain what the You know, I've had people telling me about, well, we saw that we were out on the clifftops and we saw this, these five lights appeared, mm. or one light appeared, and it instantly formed in a row of five, yeah. evenly spaced with gaps in between. Then it switched off and it appeared somewhere else in sea, mm. over at sea. And then we saw it somewhere else. And, and, and then it went over land. I had a guy poaching up on cliff tops yeah. at Buckton. I'll not say his name. And uh, he rang me up and he said to me, he said, well, he said, Paul, where are you? And I was just going to take my daughter to karate. Mm. This is oh, probably 2007. He said, do you need to be up here at Buckton now? I said, why? He said, I'm on cliff tops. He said, there's a row of lights just appeared out at sea. And he's telling me about mm. it, and he's there on his own. He says, oh, wait a minute, they're switched off. And then he's going, whoa, they're on edge of cliff. They're, they're near me. And he's telling me this story as it's yeah. unfolding. Now, that never made newspaper, the yeah. local newspaper or anything, or, the, or any paper, but you would get experts saying, well, what he actually saw was afterburners from jets or <laughs> yeah, some yeah. unusual atmospherics. I mean, that seems to cover a lot of things. I think we all do it as... As researchers, we all try to defend our subject, yeah. so to speak. But we need to defend it because th there's an handful of people looking into it and taking it seriously, and there's an army of people dismantling it. Yeah, there is. There is exactly the same area as what you're discussing now, same subject. A lass up in Clodimos, which is in the top of north of Scotland, and she walks every morning at 5am. It's what she does. She knows that wood, but... Back of her hand, and I say last, she's my age. Yeah. So she's not a lady given to imagination or anything like that. She's a she's a dog rescuer in all honesty, and she likes to walk early morning. She knows that body's like the back of her hand. And she started experiencing, I'm going to say orbs, but it's the wrong word, orb that lights that emit their own light yeah. that can even be seen in the daytime shooting across the path in front of her and things like that. So she managed to... She started photographing them and, and filming them. And the amount of people that said to her, oh, it's Saturn, middle of the day, you know, walking in the middle of a forest. But, yeah, it's Saturn. Um, oh, it is, it's, um, it's a lighthouse. She's like, look, I'm not dumb. 
I've tried, I've worked all of that out that, you know, it is not a car light, it is not a poacher, it's not a torch, it's not Will-O-The-Wisp. What I'm saying is, I know this area like the back of my hand, and this is not normal, what I'm seeing, and I'm able to photograph it, even in the daytime. So, there, there was more, I think it was only me and a couple of others that said, keep photographing them, just keep doing it. Take your phone when, you, when you're out and do, you know, just keep collecting that evidence. Everyone else is saying, well, what's the point? What's the point? Just, well, we won't get anywhere. We sit in a chair and say, well, I've decided what it is. That's it. Subject's over. We wouldn't have even advanced as a human species if we'd settled for that, would we? You know. We wouldn't, we wouldn't Deborah. You know, and it's, 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 it's over science. This, this yeah. subject is over science, and science doesn't want to really... He doesn't want to tackle it. Well, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not a scientist, and I'm, I never will be. I, I'm a humble joiner of trade, but at least I'm having a look at it because I know it's real. Uh, even at the risk of ridicule, when you've seen things that you can't explain with your own eyes, yeah. then then you do get defensive, and you do you do you, well. You either draw into yourself and say nothing about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and we've all done it. We've yeah, all I've seen people that. sat in a bar or sat yeah. sat down somewhere, and you've all said, "Oh, tell them about what you saw." Yeah. And they go, Oh, no, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. well, well, I did see something strange. And then when they come out with story, it's incredible. Yeah. But they don't talk about it because four or five people sat with them will just look at each other and say, start making little daft noises. Yeah, and weirdly, when you talk to them on their own, they tend to have a story as well, and that's why they're taking the piss, I shall say. That's yeah. why they're taking the Michael. You know? That's correct, <laughs> but, but we, we're never going to stop that kind of thought process. But yeah. I mean, where I've been going to Bempton these last, well, these very early mornings all this year, I, I, I've been going into a little strip of woodland at the mm. side of the fields, and I don't. I hope we didn't talk about this last time because I don't think we did. No. But um, I ventured into this wood. And it's, it's a narrow wood. It's at the side of Dane's Dyke. It's a very old wood, and it's private. And there's, so there's not many people going in. Brackens of mm. three or four foot high, or it was then. It's, it's gone over a little bit last few weeks. People yeah. will probably know if you walk around fields. It'll be the same where you are. I'd walked into it about four or five hundred feet. And this is like half five in the morning. Mm. And somebody's talking behind me. I've only got one way out. Oh, there's a barbed wire fence in a field of borage. That's the purple yeah. plant. I could have climbed, the, God put, took my coat off, put it over the fence and climbed the fence, but mm. I've had to go through a crop, and I won't do yeah, that. As a yeah, yeah. But did it frighten me? Yeah, it did. And I don't mind saying it, because mm. it, at half five in the morning in a private wood, yeah, exactly. on, which is not far from the cliffs, there's nobody there, there's nobody around, but yeah. clearly there was. And I thought, I've got to go back this way. That There's only one way back from <laughs> the car, yeah, back where I've just walked. And I did, and and I I'd sort of hour on edge going through this wood, and I've been a bit I've been, I went through it this morning, funnily enough, but that's the first time I've ventured through the wood since yeah my phone for you since since that last week that I've done a full like circuit of the wood, but some I couldn't discern what they were saying, but there were voices. Now, what was that? Because mm. the farmer in the farm there's only one farmhouse nearby tells me that, uh, I think I might have touched on that other week, he's hearing, uh, like, walkie-talkie type electronic yeah. voices. And I've said to him, well, where? Uh, whereabouts? In the wood? He says, no, in that field about 10, 20 foot away from where I'm stood now on this decking. He says, but there's nobody there. So what kind of phenomena is producing this? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and I, we've got this on recording. I took an, an old... Sony tape deck and mm. I took an Olympus digital voice recorder and we've recorded it. We've actually got it. It's, it's undiscernible. It's screaming and chatter. Right. And in, we're in the middle of nowhere. Now, the farmer's heard it. He says, thank God for that. He says, yeah. I thought I was going mad. Validation, so yeah. I'm going to have to put this out, Deborah. I'll yeah. have to put it onto one of these... Just load it onto internet and put it out onto the truth proof page. Just it doesn't prove anything. At the end of the day, we know that there'll be a thousand people out there going, "Well, he could have just recorded somebody yeah. talk, walking in a park." But there'll <laughs> be one who says, "I've heard that. Yeah. I, I've heard that." And uh, you know, because there's a guy called Liam who lives in the northeast, so he's further north than you. 
And he got in touch with me because it started with noises for him, noises that he could not explain. So he just started taping them. So yeah. you know, if he hadn't stumbled on me, to me on YouTube, he would have just sat there on his iPhone and I was like, send him a... The things that you describe, I call them the invisibles. I get those yeah. accounts all the time of either heavy breathing or a, a mumbling chatter that they can't... will either lead them into the wood, as I said before, or will always be just out of your range. So you can't see who's doing it, but... It's there. Then I get told of metallic noises. People often mention a metallic type of noise. One guy said he thought it was um, like a toy airplane and it was going to bump into his head. He kept looking for it. And it was yeah. a, it was above his head. And he said, I, don't, I didn't know if it was one of those drones or something. I thought it was someone taking the Michael. But where I was, there wouldn't be anybody flying a, you know, flying a drone kind of thing. So people are hearing, A, you've got what the witness interprets it as. You get what I mean? They're like, yeah. like him thinking, oh, it's the plane or whatever. But then he's still, it's worth making a note of that because there was no plane and yeah. he couldn't understand it. So to me, that's going on the map because I want to know that that's happening in yes. that area. You yes. know. Yeah, that's correct. And you see, we can only get, the witness can only interpret as, some, as yeah. something that we know as human beings and understand. Yeah. That's, that's why, I mean, we're not going to think of new words Tonight. No, that's it, innit? But, but, but that's why we need new a, a new vocabulary or new words to describe these things. Mm. Because, you know, I, when the thing that pulled me backwards in Dane's Dyke, I couldn't. Yeah. I haven't got the words to describe that feeling. Uh, I, I said it felt like two magnets that yeah. to push each other apart, and it took me ages to think to, to give an example yeah. to the listener. To, to explain the feeling, because just saying something pulled me backwards is not good yeah, enough. Yeah, I, get I could you. pull you backwards, or you could pull me backwards. But it was the actual feeling. It was it was strange. It was so unnatural. Uh, and you know, lot, everything that we're seeing, everything that these people are experiencing, is unnatural mm. to what we know and understand. And uh, we, we, well, we don't accept it as being real. I suppose so. That's part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, I thought about Anne's recollection of the owl you know yeah and you know when she said i'd forgotten all about it until this he this mentioned it yeah mentioned, do you remember the owl and then i thought and I, then i thought about the alien abduction scenario yeah and the people just remember f little fragments or they've got little cameos of events and, and so i just expanded that once again theory and speculation yeah but what if what if part of the reason that, i don't think anybody will have ever said this uh, what if part of the reason that we we don't remember, or we just yeah. remember little fragments, is because these memories are, are, are supposed to be stamped and imprinted on us, like as almost in our DNA, yeah. so that so that th through the process of future generations, we're we're so our future offspring will be more accustomed and more get you, yeah. enabled. Uh, you know, it might, be, it might be one speculation too far, but if people are experiencing these things and not remembering it, obviously, are the memories too tra traumatic to remember, that, yeah. that we're not supposed to remember? Or is there another reason? Could it be that they're just placing memories in our head that... They want us to sort of carry through in like a, yeah. a stamp of DNA. Yeah, I it's get just, you. I don't know. Bad people. Uh, yeah, like the crow experiment. The, the yeah, crow, yeah, they have a genetic memory, don't they? And that genetic memory is just followed through from generation to generation. They've never seen a caveman, but they know to react when they see it. So yeah. that's leftovers, or Ch -ch 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 the DMV, number ninety-seven, or. Ch -ch -ch House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's only by genetic memory. There will be a lot of Bigfoot researchers out there now that will say owls i can't believe he's mentioned owls it happens to them all the time owls yeah. that swoop above your head owls where you get you i've never heard of it like a swarm of owls where there's more than one owl in the group no circling the woods making racket 
that's not an owl behaviour. That's I don't think that that, that is owl behaviour. Where they, no. especially in a group of them, you don't get flocks of owls. Flocks of owls circling above cottages and things like that. Strange yeah. owl calls that just don't seem right in the middle of the day in the rain. Little, well, you know, you know. Whitley Strieber's uh, mm. abduction experience. He claimed before the abductions began, he used to see an owl sat in his backyard, mm. a white owl sat watching him. Mm. You know, and uh, like you're, you're on about. Sorry, because I butted in there. No, it's the right, it's right. Cottages. Yeah. And, 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 like, people hearing when they're out, I mean, we know for a fact owls don't really fly when it's wet because they can't, they're one of the birds that can't, are not waterproof, so to fly in the rain for an owl is quite dangerous. And it, they can get hypothermia and die. So if you're hearing an owl in the wood that's moving around in the middle of the rain, that's quite strange. I've heard yep. them in the middle of the day, and it's like, what? what? Like, really, like, took me aback, but it... How you explain to somebody that it doesn't sound right? I don't know how you put that into words. I am used to owls. I have owls that nest on the back. Um, so we're used to the noise of the owls and not owl habits. And you never hear them in the day. You just don't. And no. then I've heard them in parts of the wood where I know that they, they, they're not... Um, there's no owl boxes in there or out like that. There's not really a whole lot going on in there. And it's always really quickly... It just doesn't sound right. I don't have the words to put it into words, but it's not a typical owl call. It's off like something's mimicking an owl almost. And it kind of yeah. leads you on a merry dance. And you end up nowhere. You don't, you don't get you anywhere. But you still... The amount of people I have spoken to that have had that experience, and the, we actually have a name for it now. We call them wonky owls. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> the owls, I mean, it does... Uh, there's a guy, Mike Kelland, in America, wrote a book called The Synchronicity of Owls, mm. I think. Or is it The Messenger? I'm not certain. Mm -hmm. But he, he's, he's done quite a lot of work on that. I'm sure the book's quite popular. But uh, I've, I, where we used to live at Old Denneby, mm. I've, had one, I've had one strange experience involving an owl. Uh, same place where all weird stuff happened. And the, the land between Old Denneby, the village, and Mexborough, yeah. it was it was swampland and it ran along the side of the River Don and when there were heavy rain, the River Don used to burst its banks and flood this area of land. And I can remember, because I was always sort of observing and watching stuff and I'm an only child, so a lot of time to do things on my own sort of thing. Yeah. And I can remember seeing what looked like a silver pencil moving along the water, the flooded water, which were very shallow. You know, I think you could have gone out in waders and which walked about in it. Yeah. But uh, while I'm watching this, what I thought looked like a, like a dragonfly. Yeah. But, but like a, I'm at it again. I apologise, listeners. Telegraph pole. Length, yeah. Silver. Moving about. And then all of a sudden, I saw a huge white owl just seemed to lift. It didn't lift off the water. It couldn't mm. have done. No. You know that they don't, they don't, they're not sort of a, no. ducks or swans. It was an owl. And, it, and I forgot about the pencil. Mm. This owl, I couldn't believe where it had come from. And I, I can always remember that. And I've been writing about it in the in one of the books, The, the Night People. Um, don't know where the owls figure. I don't know what, what the significance is. Uh, I'm sure there's better people than me that do, but I don't. Mm. But interesting, though, ne nevertheless. And, you know, get, jumping back to your map. Yeah. If we can just begin to gather all these bits of information, uh, I'm sure that we will reveal a pattern. We might not reveal an answer, but a pattern's a start. Yeah, it so is. After, after Deborah, we'll pick up on that pattern and take it a little bit further. There'll be somebody looking at something and thinking, they've got something here. Now, I just want to look down that, because they never thought of this. Yeah. And ka-ching, a light will come on. It could almost be like that these, pe these places are erupting in a sequence. Ex but, yeah. Know, the timing of them, yeah. The, the other thing that we have to look at, and it's a subject that a lot of people don't like, but there's also the missing... There are areas in the UK of missing people. Normally oh, yeah. males between the ages of 18 to 25. I mean, Manchester's a perfect example with the, the supposed pusher. But yeah. there are areas like Box Hill where you have UFO sightings and you have Bigfoot sightings, but you also have missing people. There's a famous case there of a young girl who was last seen at Box Hill, who just disappeared. Um, you know, and it was only, I think it was only in 1998, something like that, I'd have to look it up. 
But it, there's been a documentary on it, and this poor young lass was last seen at, at the hill, never to be seen again. And that cor there is a correlation between these areas and strange missing people. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's being abducted. I'm saying I don't know what's going on there, but I would like to see if we can... How many missing people as well? Clapham Woods is a good example. Right. And, and Epping Forest. There are lots of missing people, but there are also accounts of, like, Bigfoot, uh, UFOs, strange lights, drumming, voices, um, all the things that we've talked about tonight, and missing people who just suddenly go missing for no reason. A little bit like the 411, but on a much smaller well, you know, we've, we've got it at Bempton. Uh, that is that is a big thing on mm. uh, Bempton is the missing people, and I, I spent a, devoted a lot of time researching these these unfortunate men mostly yeah. that went to Bempton. And you know, we I, I, I did look at whether the, these people had got a potential for suicide, yeah. shall we say, or a history of depression and, and ruled out obviously you could have expanded the book and filled it with these people but mm. they've got to fit a certain sort of profile of, and be yeah. a certain type of person and basically quite well adjusted with nothing nothing untoward or no suggestion that they were ever going to sort of take their own life or, or do anything that would erase them for want of a better word and these people you know most of them are just parked up for a, a day's parking at the yeah. nature reserve or at Flamborough and just gone. Never been seen again. You know, I mean, one guy, I think 2010, I think his name was Matchin, not Machin, Matchin, mm. and seven days later, Nigel Savage, 16 miles away, vanished. You, you know, and I, I, I don't know if we touched on this last time, but the Missing Persons Bureau that's displayed like a mm. drafts board. Yeah. All the faces of these missing people, East and North Yorkshire. Now, I was only talking about this the other day, and uh, I contacted them. And, you know, just to say, like, I said, you've got this guy here, they've got to mm. say Nigel Savage, and he's gone missing, you've, but you've said he lived in Hull, and you've got Edward Machin, and you've, he's gone yeah. missing, and you've said he lived in York. And, like, and they're saying, but I've, do you not realise that they've all gone from Bempton? Right, yeah, yeah, they've you all know, gone missing in the same place. Why, I mean, it's a fabulous organisation, I'm not knocking it. I get you. But, but why aren't we saying where they have actually be, last been seen? See, that's what they need, yeah. A simple algorithm on a computer can do that. You could, yeah. You'd run it and it would, a little bit like CODIS for the forensic, you'd run it and anything that was anywhere that Bempton it would name would pop up, but it won't if it's not last seen at. Yeah, well, and, and it's a fact. I mean, out of this list of 20-odd uh, uh, people, there's mm. at least nine gone from Bempton. I mean, Bempton's a tiny little yeah, it is. <laughs> spot on the map mm. uh, with nothing apart from a bird sanctuary that in the wintertime is devoid of anyone. And after four o'clock, you're not going to get anybody on them cliff tops. No, no. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a hostile, harsh environment that faces the North Sea. It, you know, so it, it, it is interesting, you know, that... that we, uh, there's such a concentration of people going from that area. Uh, me, me and Bob Brown, the Beacon of Light radio host, were up there on November the 5th, 2017. Yeah. So before anybody thinks, oh, you've seen fireworks, this is out at sea. Yeah. We, were like, we were lucky. We, we saw the lights 13 times, and we managed to film them about three times. But what is interesting, and I'm not saying this is the reason, but I'm throwing it in because it's yeah. genuine, on November the 6th, mm. Flamborough Head in a sea cove, in a little cove. Yeah. They found a man, obviously right. deceased. You know, and you think to yourself, well, we, we saw these lights over Flamborough Head on November yeah. the 5th. I can't come out and stick my hand up and say A is responsible for B because I've no idea. Yeah, but, but could it be? Body. Yeah. But, and and what's, what's strange is this body was found in a sea cave. The cliffs are about 200 foot down onto a rocky beach. Yeah. Uh, now, if you'd gone down 200 foot, I think the chances of surviving would be slim. Yeah, most definitely. Slim to nil. The sea cave, he didn't get washed into the sea cave because he was high up in it, and even in the spring tides, the water doesn't go up to that cave. Right. So how's he got in it? Yeah. Now, they, they said they'd found him on the news, and some geography students found him uh, from, from Scotland, I believe. So they said they'd found him, and then mm. there was one piece in the newspaper saying his name and his age. 
and that was November the 6th that they found him, and it was in the Thursday's Bridlington Free Press, and there's been nothing mm. said since. That's strange, isn't it? Not, I've tried. I've, I know a few police officers, and yeah. I've spoken to them, and nobody knows a thing. I've got my suspicions. Uh, and, and it's nothing to do with lights, my suspicions, by the way. I'm not trying yeah. to... to it, I'm, Using the lights as an example because it's true. Yeah. We filmed November the fifth, but um, I think there's going to be more to this, and I shall continue to dig because uh, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be interesting. This is the same area mm. where over fifty sheep have been mutilated. Right. This is the same area where the harbour porpoise, the little dolphins, yeah, yeah, were being found all through 2017 with massive trauma underneath the jaw, like two to three inch round holes straight through the jaws. I've got the photographs of these, These, I've got loads of the sheep, the, the dolphins are harder because obviously people walking on the beach and things are coming across them. I've got about yeah. four pictures but there were a lot more found. Same area where the deer have been killed. I'm mm. not saying that that's what's happened to this man, but uh, you'll have to excuse my phone, I shall ring that, answer that in a moment uh, yeah. because we're doing this. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And this is the same area where all the unexplained phenomena is occurring. It's just uh, multitudes of unexplained phenomena. You know, the sort of... The lights. Yeah. The missing people. The, the animal mutilations. And I don't think Bempton's unique. It, it might be a little bit more concentrated, say, than some areas. But mm. there's other areas in other parts of the country which are just as strong. Yeah. Don't forget, Deborah, that... I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm researching this sort of full-time. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, so I'm going to find more. So it probably seems more more rich in the phenomena. But if other people have the time to devote to their little pocket, mm. to their selected area, they'd probably find just as much. You know, I think it's there. I think yeah. That... There's people out there as well, and sometimes they worry. The word, like, researcher kind of puts them off. They think that you've got to have this kind of... Um, basically, when we say a researcher, we mean somebody who's really interested, don't we? Yeah, of course somebody we who's just—I'm yeah, I mean, nothing special. Who's just like prepared to dig. It doesn't matter if it's an hour a week. It doesn't matter. You know, you're on your own, you—you you might be that person just doing an hour that finds the really important clue. Yeah, you might be the person that's got mm. a Saturday morning to devote to your given subject, and you find, like you just said, you find the answer. Yeah, you know, just because I'm at it. Often I'm, I'll be up there tomorrow morning early mm. doors and just do, don't make me any better. It's just that I just I'm lucky that I've got the time to devote to it at the moment. I, I mean, and I'm yeah. I'm 55 year old. I'm not always going to be able to charge around these woods. <laughs> stuff, do you know what I mean? If I, if I, oh, I'll throw that one out. I'll say it to my wife. You know, if I ever go missing, yeah, I never, I never planned it. I never, you know, pl I never planned it. I never planned it. So <laughs> you know, it's, stranger things have been said, haven't they? Well, you know? yeah. You, you, we, we were talking before where. Um, Ties in with what we're saying. We we were talking um, about an area, weren't we, where the you saw a surveillance van. And yeah. Me and you were talking about it on YouTube, and a, a, a good friend of mine got in touch with me by email and said, "Our friends have reported seeing that van on not all the time. It's not there all the time, but it does show up on occasion. So the idea there is, well, can you log the dates that it shows up so that we've got one little log of what's happening? If anything strange happens in that area." We can then check back with that girl and say, you know, was that van around at the time? And she might say, no, not that day, but the day after it was or the day before it was. There's hundreds of people out there researching other subjects like the paranormal, even the Wiccans, the pagans, the bushcrafters. That skill set is what we need because they're out in the places and they're mixing with places with people who've got these stories. And, like, I know it's a big ask, and me and Paul will say, do you know anything about... But it's not that hard to start the conversation. You could just say something as simple as, oh, I heard a funny story about round here the other day. And some people will say to her, well, you know, actually, when I was younger... Uh, and they might be interested in, in the paranormal and would never have thought of getting in touch with either me or Paul. But That's they... Correct. You know, we could then swap information with them and either one of us will go, well, ah, that makes sense... That's something I can roll with now or something I can research into now. It really does. And, uh, you know, I mean, as, as, as the listeners will gather, we're probably fishing for a bit of information yeah. talking about this today, but there's, it's, it's the only way we're ever yeah. going to get it. It's, 
it's difficult getting it's difficult enough getting people to talk. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You're the same as me, Deborah. You know, half of the people that come to you probably say, "I'd rather <laughs> not have my name used in this." Yeah, but they, they do. Don't yeah. mind. I mean, one of the strangest things is that I've, I realised that you've. I hope you can remember him. You've sort of made contact with a guy called Robbie in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, oh yeah, and he's got a fantastic photograph. Yeah. How crazy is that, Deborah? That me and Robbie I know. were friends. Oh. 35 years ago, well, yeah, no, yeah. not, th yeah, 35 years ago. Pieces and, on a chessboard, that's what it feels yeah. like sometimes. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, I'd lost touch with the guy for, for yeah. all those years, and he's, he just told me he's interested in this subject, and he lives in a croft up in Scotland, yeah. and, which, which he did, he, he moved down to Doncaster when I was living there, mm. like 27, 30 years ago, and uh, we became good friends, mm. and it, it, all these years later... He appears again, and this guy. He puts I'm the hours in. Fabulous information for you because he's, he's fairly dedicated. That's what I'm saying. He puts the hours in. You know, he he he's out there in the woods all the time. He come. He got a, a photograph, and he, he really bravely went to the papers with it. Now, not a lot of people do that. It's very rare, and they did, and they actually did a really positive. Um, talk on it, but what she didn't do is she didn't include the photograph in the article. That's Which, a shame, you know, it, when you're a reporter, that a little tip there, that is probably good if you're reporting on a photograph to add the image in with the article. She, <laughs> didn't, she didn't do that. So oh. I read, I put it onto the website so that I could put his photo in because it's really good. And people say, well, you know, it's a bit fuzzy and you think, well, they don't walk, just walk past you. If that happened, we'd all have a photograph, wouldn't we? Yeah. He's out there for hours and hours on end, and sometimes that's what you've got to do, as you know, Paul. You're in crap weather, you miss dinners, you miss family stuff, you miss all kinds of stuff because you're trying to get an answer for yourself to, you know, A, what you've seen, or B, what you're interested in finding out. And he and he's done it, and it's paid, to me, it's paid off for him because it's a good interest. He's out in the woods all the time. It's, we're not harming anyone, looking for Bigfoot, us lot, you know, we're just out there, like, we're looking for footprints and structures and photographs and stuff like that. And then you get involved in the community, and then you think, like you said then, and then it's like, well, actually, yeah, I know Paul, and I, knew, and I met Rob through Charmaine, who's a fellow witness. You're only other five people away from someone else, is what they say, isn't they, really? Yeah, so, but, uh, you know, I can vouch for the guys... Yeah. Sort of credibility outside of this subject. I never knew that. Uh, well, at the time, I don't think I'd. Had, I was. Yeah. I was interested in the UFO phenomena because of my own experiences from childhood, mm. and I never thought, Deborah, that I'd get interested in the the strange figures werewolf, that we see. Yeah, the werewolf, yeah. Uh, Bigfoot type element. It just didn't interest me. Uh, and then I got writing Truth Proof, and th mm. these stories just kept cropping up from Flixton. It seemed similar for me. I, they just kept. I couldn't ignore them anymore. There was yeah, that many so, coming in, I just couldn't ignore them anymore. Well, you know, I, I told you about the the animal running at the side of the car. Yeah. Time we spoke, didn't I? Mm, yeah. And I sort of written that up, and I, I threw a few more questions at the guy. I didn't, I, I did not buy phone. I yeah. you were very, very reluctant to talk last time. I mean, we we, we had a, a great conversation, but I knew that I, he's not going to sort of yeah. strike a conversation up all the time. But I emailed him with my questions. And I don't think we, I asked him, or I didn't think I spoke about the size of this creature's head or what he assumed mm. the size of its head was at the time. And I gave him the, the sort of scenario, was it as big as a mastiff's head? Yeah. Or uh, in comparison to, how big was it in comparison to a bear's head and a mastiff's? Mm. And he said, as big as a grizzly bear's. Right, yeah. Incredible. I mean, this guy, we've got some perfectly, hopefully, rational guy mm. driving a Jaguar car in between 9 and 9.30 at night and claims... There's, he, taught, he says, a werewolf, there's a there's a yeah. monster at the side of my car door. Yeah. He says they were literally inches from him. He said, you know, it's only the glass between us. And I can't get my head round how we had these glowing yellow eyes and it was looking into the car, running forwards. Yeah. But I'm not going to dress the story up any different and say, well, looking other way, but just for the sceptic, to make yeah. it more, more sensible to the sceptic. This is what the man told me. And... I believe his story. I believe he's seen something, you know, and yeah. uh, I don't believe everybody. You know, we've had there's some right sort of 
dodgy stories and people out there who who turn a satellite into yeah. some kind of fabulous mothership as it yeah. passes over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know what do we call it? The space station. And oh, I've just seen a fabulous UFO. <laughs> no, it was, check the times and everything. It was space station. But you're never going to change the mindset of those kinds of yeah. people. Yeah. But this guy, I think he's. I think he's seen something. We'll call it the real deal. He's seen yeah. something, and he showed up six miles out of Flixton. Yeah, exactly. Miles out of Flixton, we've got. Then there's a place called Ganton close to Flixton, Deborah. Yeah. And uh, Andy Ramsden, I don't know if you know Andy. No, uh, he's no. He's into his UFO research and things, and he's a lorry driver. And he took some, he took some hardcore to a farm, some limestone for a building they were doing. And he he'll touch on the subject of UFOs or whatever with anyone he can, see mm. whether he can glean a bit of information. And because he was close to Flixton, he asked this guy if he'd ever heard of the Flixton werewolf. Yeah. This guy says, well, I can do a little bit better than that. He says, well, what do you mean? He said, well, when I was a young man, a young boy, Mm. I've always worked on these farms. And the farm just up the road, he says, there's a farmer, an old farmer called Jimmy Keith. So this is in Ganton. I I don't know if anybody will ever listen to it from Ganton, but if you do, you might and you can... I've, you might be able to throw your mind back to somebody called Jimmy Keith, but Jimmy Keith claimed to have seen, we'll not call it, we're in Ganton, so we're not the Flixton werewolf, yeah. but it's in the same area, this huge hair-covered man with, with a with a dog-type head yeah. down at Ganton. So the Ganton runs along the cars. It's all that low-lying land, which would go then to Caton yeah. and Flixton, where the other farmer at the opposite end at Falton claims to have seen it running across the fields and then stopping and squatting down and then continuing to run. And where did it run to? Spellhouse Plantation, the burial mound of Spellhouse. Oh, right, I'm just no. looking at my map now and thinking, oh my lord, I know where it's heading. <laughs> it's just crazy. You know, and, you know, and you've got the diamond plantation up there. And yeah. You've got all these places, these things are seen. The old chaps in, in the 1940s, I don't have it off the top of my head, this one, mm. two, there were two young boys and there's only one alive now. And they saw that thing at the side of the burial mound at Sharp How, the Barrow Cemetery. Yeah, the Barrow Cemetery. The seven burial mounds. Mm. Just sat with its back to a tree, looking at something in its hands. I know I've told this story hundreds of times, but it, 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 I just find it incredible. Yeah. And when I spoke to this man and said to him, you know, I said, how many people sort of knew about this? He says, well, if you're not, if you've not lived here, like five generations or whatever, he yeah. says, you're not, you're not even local, 50 years, you're not even local. local. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, you know, he says, there's an handful of people who can tell you about what you're calling the Flixton werewolf. Mm. He says, but these other people, these outsiders, they might have seen things and that, but they, they don't talk about it. They've yeah. not got the sort of in, intimate, uh, old, handed down knowledge that these people have. And there's still a couple of people in village, I, t- I was told there were five people in village who'd got, quite a lot of knowledge of it and there's still a couple I've never managed to speak to one in particular has probably got more than anybody uh, and I might get to him eventually you know it just depends usually you need a friend of a friend to yeah. introduce you <laughs> you need a shoe in don't you that's what I yeah, always say that, you just need a shoe in yeah. you do yeah I mean there's a farm up at Hunnanby and I'm after, well it'll be after harvest very soon I'm going to go yeah. to speak to these people at the farm it's took a few years and it's it's unusual how how you win people's confidence. And I don't mean by trickery. It just turned out that me and my wife looked after an old chap years ago and he had some cats and they had to go into like a, what do you, not a cattery, people who take cat refuge. Yeah, refuge. This farm, this lady at this farm took the cats. We only found out sort of recently, but now we've become friends, do you see? Yeah, get it. Because of the old guy and the cats. Yeah. And I'm invited up to the farm. I always knew that they've got these two, couple of incredible stories to tell me. And I'm really looking forward to going up and spending a bit of time with them and getting yeah. the stories. There's, there's, there's multiple witness sightings. There's the husband, the wife, the mum, the dad and the son. And, you know, I've got some interesting stories from a farm at Hummumby. So to, to come, I, I sort of live for this. I mean, I'm yeah, actually to some people, but I just love it. I, I love it. I'm just thinking I have nothing in that area apart from the Dainsdyke account and the Flixton account, how many other areas in the UK am I sat thinking of nothing going on? And then I talk to somebody like you and they say, well, there's five, at least five witnesses in that village. And you're thinking, how many lost accounts are out there? Well, well they just that's, that's what that lady said about the, yeah. the owl. Well, we talked about the owl circling that revived yeah. her memory. 
she, she said, I said, do you want me to use your name? She said, yes, you can do. She says, mm. and I think it needs documenting. Yeah, that's it. It is. It's a lot of them will say to me, tides are changing. It used to be 70, 30 where they'd go, don't use my name. And now they'll say, no, I don't mind. And now people are saying, no, I want to come on the show and talk about it. I want to get it off my chest. There's a massive change in the tide, which unfortunately, uh, as this is my second interview with Paul, and I'm getting to the end of my time now, I will have to bring him back on again. Um, So, yeah, but if you want to find Paul's books, you can find them on Amazon. I think it's Truth Proof, isn't it, Paul? Truth Proof, and I'd just say to anybody, just type that into your search engine, and I think they'll be the first thing that comes up. And like I always say, have a look at reviews. And yeah. If you think they're worth buying, have a, have a read and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and if you want to get hold of me, um, I'll put, I don't mind my email being out there. It's Debbie Hatswell, all small letters, at gmail.com. And I can put you in touch with Paul. Um, I'll put you on the email. I don't mind that, Deborah. Right, throw it out there and then they can get in touch with you. All, all lowercase, Paul Sinclair, ILF at gmail.com. Right, that's fabulous. So until next week, thank you all for joining me. This has been the Crypto Realm on the Paranormal UK, and I'll be back next week with uh, another amazing guest. So good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.